This week on The Native Immigrants, we're talking about going back to where we come from. How connected are we to the motherland? The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the Geordie Gerbil, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? I don't accept that name. I will What's not, wrong with the Geordie Gerbil? I will not respond to that name. What's wrong with the Geordie Gerbil? Uh, that name does not refer to me. <laughs> I'm neither... A gerbil. Or Geordie. Wow. <laughs> I am Look Geordie. At this. You're completely I'm gonna, like, How you're dare gonna you interrupt dismiss me? Dismiss your entire How culture. How dare you? I am very much a Geordie, but I am not a Geordie gerbil right. or a gerbil in general, is right. what I was going to say. Okay. Context to this is uh, we were watching The Chase earlier and um, they had a, a little segment come up basically asking people if they wanted to be one of the chasers, you know, like trying to get some, you know, some potential applications through. Is that what was going on? Because I was too busy looking at, at Gugs. See, I, I couldn't work out if it was people for... Just to get onto the chase. Were they not just introducing the the chaser that was coming? No, out? it was it was to apply to be really? on the chase. Yeah, but I oh couldn't my God, work I should out. Totally do that. But I couldn't work out if it was to be um, someone who's just a contestant or one of the chasers because it was happening so quickly. So then I thought, wow. So there might even be advertising for people to be a chaser. And now and you know how you're like this kind of like wanting to be this general knowledge guru and shit with all these like crazy facts and figures in your mind. Uh-huh. I thought like, because they've all got like, you know, like the nicknames on there. It's so, like the Dark Destroyer and all that kind of shit. Yeah. I thought the Geordie Gerbil rose off the tongue so, so well. So, so rude. The Geordie Gerbil. And I look nothing like a gerbil. You don't have to look like a fucking gerbil. It just like, it's just, when I was, do you know when the things immediately come into your mind when you say Geordie and you want to think of a word that kind of like. I've literally never heard anyone associate Geordie and gerbil together. <laughs> there could be <laughs> loads of, not a there's thing. probably loads of gerbils in Geordie. In Geordie. In Geordie? <laughs> in Geordie, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know that place called Geordie, yeah? You know that Geordie. Um, but there might, there might, there's probably loads of Geordie, ge- oh, fuck's sake. There's so many gerbils in Jordan. It's a tongue twister, but yet it rolls off the tongue so well. So I don't even know how to phrase this now because it's like this own entity where it's so hard to pronounce so quickly, but yet it's really easily pronounceable. If anyone calls me the Geordie Gerbil, (laughs) (laughs) if anyone, anyone refers to me as that. Oh my days. I'm going to fucking kick your ass. (laughs) Every time someone refers to me On the street. Yeah. Maybe this will be an incentive for listeners to do it. If anyone recognises you on the street, bruv, I will honestly, I will rate you. I would would literally, in that moment of time, just like, you know, like go up to them and do the kind of, um, the Asian thing where you kind of, give them Ashirwad because it's such a massively like momentous moment. The fact that someone has recognized Jojo B off our podcast, of which you can't actually see because it's like only online and you can only listen to it. And they recognize you, mate, that's, that's big things. Can I just say now that I don't want to be recognized? <laughs> I want to live anonymously and happily. Oh dear. If, even if you do recognize me, just don't. If you do, yeah, if you, if you, if Jojo B is walking down the walk street, past. yeah, walk just past. walk straight past her. Don't even acknowledge her. If you do, like, keep it under your breath. You know, no, do you know what it is? No, that sounds so London of me. Yeah. And no, because I'm That's the kind of person, up- or I used to be the kind of person that would talk to, I still do sometimes, just talk to random people at the bus stop or on the bus or whatever. And since I've come to London now, the only time if I talk to anybody on public transport is to have an argument with them. Mm. And so, 
no, I need to stop being that person. I want to go back to my lovely Geordie ways and just speak to random people and have a nice time. But also you came across as like such a massive up yourself diva as well at the same time. If anyone walks past me and they, they know who I am, just do not look in my direction. Do not talk to me. Do not throw your COVID breath all over my you know, aura. Yeah, please don't put COVID breath on me. Um, but it yeah, it comes across like, you know, someone that's really up their own. When in fact you're that person, not what? me. What, bruv? I am always like stand up when when I see anyone on the street that recognizes me. I'm always like the first person to be like, bruv, thank you so much, thank you for your support. And do you know what he'll do? He will then waste half an hour of my life of us trying to get somewhere on time. This is why we're notoriously late for everything because whenever he sees anyone he knows or if someone starts talking to him, then that's it. There's half an hour gone. Yeah, see, I'm a people person, isn't it? I'm the people's champion. And, and I just is... stand there smiling like, <laughs> yeah, hmm, yeah. So, yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> so this this brings me back to our episode last week when you were the host of the show and how it still grinds my gears that you were, you know, voted in by everyone because this is not what you're about. You, you do not want to do this. Whereas I've always been about the it's people. It's not that I don't want to do I've it. I just about... don't want all the shit that comes with it. The, the, what what comes with it? That's the thing. You're basically <laughs> saying like your your people want to rule like you to rule them, and yet you're like, well, fuck the people. I don't give a shit about no, them. No, because so I was brought up by a communist, so I believe that we're all equal, and so you don't need to be ruled by me. But if people want to hear you, let's all work together in a commune. Okay. Throw some potatoes. Right. Every time you say that, <laughs> let's, let's work so in a commune, it, it reminds me of those, you know, those weird kind of like, you know, like Osho kind of thing. We know where you like, commune. Hippie, yeah, hippie commune. Slash cult. Yeah. Slash like, you know, no, drug that's market. That's not the kind of communes that I was told about as a child. Right. They were slightly more, uh, less fun. <laughs> yeah, less fun communes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be more like a massive, like, you know, field full of allotments is the kind of communes I think that Jojo B is kind of. Uh, that actually sounds towards. ideal. I would really enjoy that. Right. Well, you're looking at me like I'm mad. Who wants to work for the man? I'm I, honestly like just the idea of it just makes me die inside. But we all have to do it because we have to buy, get mortgages and stuff. We do have to live and we do have to get by. And it, it, with this podcast... We do what we can. Do to... you know what that's going to bring? That statement's going to bring out all those people like, no, you can live an alternative lifestyle. You can do this or this. Get in, t get in touch with me and be part of my pyramid scheme and we can live off the grid. <laughs> You'll never have to have a mortgage again. You can always like be happy and have all the time in the world and you can work from Bermuda because that's what keeps coming up on my fucking timeline is well. work from Bermuda, work from Barbados mm. and all of these things. You know, with pyramid schemes, do like... Anyone, because like, I've known them and kind of been part of them, unfortunately, through my family. Yeah, not me wow. personally, but like my, my dad got involved in one many years ago. Oh, Total financial fuck up. But it was such an Asian thing to do. Yes. That I, do people outside of our culture actually get involved with this shit yes i think they do and they also lose money i don't think i've ever heard of anyone make money yeah from a pyramid scheme apart from the con person who came up with it mm, yeah yeah yeah. i've never because i've never heard of anyone being involved with one apart from asians so it's like it's just <laughs> we, one of the just, things that we just fall for every single time very generation after generation it's that greed it's the greed that it lives within all of us that it's is about <laughs> it's like we want to make easy money mm. and not have to do very much work for it which but that's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum from our, like the ethos for our culture because we are a very hard-working community and we did slave it with blood sweat and tears in order to you know to establish ourselves here in the uk so like to to then have this kind of a scheme as well at the same time which but is just like an easy way to because we know we have to do that mm. but what we really want to do is just get make some easy money mm. now there's very few ways to make easy money you can go down one of these stupid pyramid scheme things and hope for the best yeah you can deal drugs or you can win the lottery i mean that's it basically isn't there's it there's really? only three ways yeah yeah so <laughs> like and all of them apart from winning the lottery which would be like the best yeah the other two just don't waste your fucking time. It's always going to end badly. Unless you're the unless you're the main guy, you know what I mean. If you're like head, yeah. If you're Marlo Stanfield in the in the drug game, or if you're 
top of the pyramid. Who'd be top of the pyramid? Like the Pablo Sphinx. Escobar. <laughs> Pablo Escobar's top of a pyramid scheme. Oh no, sorry, the drug trade stuff. Okay. Top of the pyramid um, scheme would be like um who's a you know who's the guy from X Men Apocalypse? You know, because he was an Egyptian god. And so I'm thinking, you know, someone who's like the top of a pyramid. Wasn't he everyone though? Wasn't he everyone? You remember the, in the in the 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 X Men trailer, he caused loads of tra- uh, like. Oh yeah, he said he was, he was Krishna and he was yeah. all these other people. And yeah, shit. yeah, and they they completely nixed that before there was like placards and all kinds of effigies oh, being burnt and dear. shit. Um, but we heavily heavily digress. Um, I don't even know where we started. I honestly, yeah, we're, and it's never going to end until we shut ourselves up. Basically, basically, can someone just give me some money and make my life easy? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the. I'm still unemployed. Jojo B is six unemployed. Months, six yeah. months this week. And counting. unemployed. As of as of recording time. Um, hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, you may even have a job. Um, but if you <laughs> Yeah, no, I just could, to get an email back from someone would be great. <laughs> Please. Yes. Yeah, so if you are in the process of looking for an employee for your firm, um, do get in touch uh with us, you know, via our social medias, DM us. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Native I'm looking for <laughs> six figures. Right. Here's me trying to actually like legitimately, realistically help you out. <laughs> and shit, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you never know who's listening to this shit, fam. And I want to work three days a week because I've got a baby. He's not a baby, he's a toddler. So he's even more work than a baby is. Right, there's actually probably more chance of you being the top honcho on the pyramid scheme than actually getting <laughs> any of those demands. Um, right, first of all, apology... Uh, for last week's show not because of the content because it was one of our best shows uh, as I've been told by a number of people uh, but there was a random air horn being <laughs> dropped in the middle of that episode I sh- he actually- wasn't really like just passionate about what I was saying yeah. because you know I did make a good point it was a good point and it yeah. sounded like you really loved that that's point that so I if I hadn't, that's the thing it's the worst thing if I hadn't have said that this was a random air horn by accident and a mistake people would have just listened to her and be like oh Okay, she's made a very good point, and they're actually applauding her on it with a massive air horn. Do you know what I mean that's some that's some championship? Except for the fact that it was like it wasn't the end of the point. No, it was halfway through <laughs> it, but it was just like, oh my god, she's about to drop that point, fam! <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you know, it was it was like it was such a like a like a huge like you know significant point that um. the only way it could be delivered was with uh, an accompanying air horn. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was accidentally dropped uh, in the middle of the show. Um, you know, I, di- I didn't get a chance to to go back and take it out before the show dropped and now out on air. And so I apologize for that. Um, if you did listen to the show and you heard the air horn and thought this is absolutely normal, ignore everything I've just said because it was completely intentional. Uh, but for those people that were a little bit confused by this, um, there's your explanation. It was completely by accident. Did not mean it. My bad. This doesn't happen regularly on this show. You should know this from 60 plus shows that these are anomalies. And I do go through everything with a fine tooth comb to ensure you get the best quality entertainment on a weekly basis. Yes, well done for your hard work, my love. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um so what's been happening this week? Well, I want to shout out a listener to the show, Apu Vyas, uh, who's actually launched his own podcast. Yes, he has. And I got a chance to listen to the first episode. Very, very impressive. Some great stuff. It's called Our Game 2, and it focuses on Asians in football. Mm. Now, this is something that we spoke about on our second ever show. This is when it, every, I always mention our second show. It literally is the one show where we discussed everything about this podcast, <laughs> and then we basically like <laughs> since then we've just been trying to play catch up on other like you know topics and shit because we covered everything we need to spoke about in that one show. Well, because we didn't really think that we'd be going for this long. Yeah, we thought so we'd be, we like, just the, crammed it all in into one exactly uh, where we went like full ham on Asians in British pop culture and sport and football was one of those components. Um, But with Apu's show, they've gone all out and focused directly, specifically on Asians in football. It's about time someone was discussing this in detail. Yeah. Because we always go touch it and go, oh, well, encouragement from family, blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot more to it. And I'm sure Apu will go into it in 
a lot of detail. Yeah, for sure. Um, his co-host Kevil Patel was also an ex-footballer at youth level. Uh, and he discusses his um, experiences within that system. Um, and I guess for both of them, looking at representation is the key, um, you know, topic of agenda as such mm. uh, with that show. Because uh, as we said in that episode ourselves, that it's, we're what, like 40 plus years into, you know, integrating ourselves here in the UK. And yet we still haven't seen like an ample number of Asians in football. Mm. Um, whereas now, by this point, I kind of thought that we'd be, you know, obviously not like masses and ranks of us basically in there, but at least what are you doing? Scratching, my leg. Scratching your leg when I'm trying to make a really valid so point. Really itchy leg. I'm, I make a point of listening to it. So I just felt that, you know, by this point, there would have been at least like a plethora of us involved in this yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. And you know what the weirdest thing is? Mm. As the one person that has been, you know, well known, Michael Chopra. Oh yes, he's my, his, my like my family know his family. My yes. dad knows his family. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that weird thing where he's from Newcastle and he's Asian. You're from Newcastle and you're Asian, and obviously all you people know each other, aren't it? Well, we bought our shop of his uncle, his daya. Right, Deepak uncle. He's my uncle. <laughs> Honestly, love it. We love bought it. a shot, and we've just been, you know, like family friends ever since. Mm. So, yeah. What's he doing with his life now? Michael Chopra. Mm. Last I heard, he was trying to kind of sort out some bid for Newcastle, but I don't. I think that just disappeared. I think any kind of bid for Newcastle is pretty much cursed. To be fair, yeah, it's a poison chalice. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea what else he's doing with his life. Oh, bless him. But yeah, he was one of probably a handful. Of Asians, uh, in especially in top level football. Since then, we've got a few. Hamza Chowdhury is one that comes off the top of my head, playing for Leicester, um, and Danda, who plays for Swansea. And so there, there is a few, but you know we need to see more. And I guess with this podcast, they'll address all those issues and what needs to be done moving forward at a grassroots level to help progress that. So he's going to have a number of guests on the show. Make sure you check that out across all podcast platforms wherever you listen to your shows and yeah go out and support uh talking of support this chief that's a brother of mine (laughs) ashish gadvi filmmaker extraordinaire so much sibling love sibling love you know like well the fact that i'm shouting him out on this show is enough love he's actually been on this show he has indeed if you cast your minds back all the way to October 2018, for our Halloween special, Ashish Gadvi joined me in the second half of the show to discuss our favourite Halloween films and how some of them are actually closely related to the Asian community. Um, And so he's a filmmaker. He is indeed. He makes films. He makes films. He works in film. He works in he film. He works in like big budget bo- like Hollywood film. I know you said Bollywood. Big, Bollywood, <laughs> big budget Bollywood, yeah. He's going to be making <laughs> Debang 5 uh, next year. Um, and not only is he going to be... <laughs> he's be, he's not even going to be the key grip on Debang 5. He's also going to play one of the heavies. Uh, playing one of Bowman Irani's goons. No, he works in big budget Hollywood Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what is that like big really, like Everyone can really say, big. oh, he works in Hollywood. No, he's worked in like Star Wars yeah. and like Batman and like, uh, like, he's what else? Aladdin. He Aladdin. Oh my God. Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. So, like, all the, all the big shit. Okay? Yeah. Spot his name in the credits if you can. Yeah, yeah. If you watch any of those films, look out for the name Ashish Gadvi yeah. uh, on across all those productions. But he's also a filmmaker, he also makes films. Writes, produces, and directs. Yes. You know, all kinds of horns being tooted right now. And his recent film, A Mountain of Light, has been pushed across the whole globe. It has. It's gone to many, many a film festival. Yes, international. Yes. So it's gone to the Prague International Indie Film Festival. Awesome. Where it ended as a um, semi-finalist. Nice one. And the actress in the... Natalie Pereira. Yes, in the film. So we should, should we talk to people about what this film's about? Because <laughs> it's just like, I'm just throwing it out there. But without well, let me go context. through the list now and then we can talk about it. All right, fine, right? okay. So the Prague International Indie Film Festival. Lovely. Uh, the Montreal Independent Film Festival. Big up. 
And c'est bon. The Goa. Bon. <laughs> <and> Merci beaucoup. <laughs> the Goa Short Film Festival. Big up the Upper in Goa, loving this shit as well at the same yeah. time. So these are all just been announced. These film festivals. It's probably going to be at more um, as of recording time. Uh, so by the time you listen to this show again, you'll probably be at two or three more. Um, but it's yeah, it's amazing. We just got a chance to watch it ourselves. This is the thing with this. The reason I call him this chief, yeah, because he he's a member of my family. He's your brother, not a member closely, of your family. He's fairly your closely brother. related. He's your little brother. Yeah, I've known him for a little while. Yeah, and like my man doesn't even tell us that this film is out and in all these international film festivals. You and I both find out through his social media. Yes, like, and I'm like. Bruv, what the fuck? I have a feeling that this is how mum found out as well, though. So, exactly. I mean, she lives in the same house. I don't feel as him. so bad then because if he does that to the rest of his family, then I know he puts us <laughs> in the same Mum lives in the same house as him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could just walk at the door like, mum, you know, like my film, yeah? Got into some film festival. This it? is not how he talks. Yeah. It's literally the opposite of how he talks. <laughs> I love to see. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear him even put that. He does put the accent every now and then. The fact that we're both Southall and don't speak like that is actually quite funny. Okay, tell them what the film's about. Okay, right. This film is called Mountain of Light, mm. and it's actually about a heist to steal back the Goinur. We can't tell you any more than that. We cannot tell you any more than that. Um, it's it's really good. Do you know what? This is the thing that I can't even like. You know, say yeah. You know, it's all right. Whatever. It is actually. Very, very it good. It packs a lot in, in 16 minutes. Yes, it's a short film, yeah. obviously. Um, and it stars Amit Dutt, Natalie Pereira, and Jazz Deal from EastEnders. Mm. You know, so you can say this this was their claim to fame and what gave them their big break. Yeah. In case they will make it big. Um, but yeah, it's a great production. Uh, at the moment, it's still at the film festival, so it's not available to see like wholly by everyone but it will be very very soon yeah so as and when it does we will tell you so go out and check it out and show your support and give us some money yes <laughs> and um ashish might be back on the podcast yes at some point when we ask him uh, because we haven't actually asked him yet but he may be back for halloween yes halloween <laughs> is our thing so halloween 2020 is just around the corner so don't be surprised. <laughs> you know, like this whole year has been Halloween. That's true. Yeah, Every single day of in, this year uh, has been Halloween. I'm not sure how the 31st of October could get any worse, but it mm, probably will. Yeah, it probably will. By the time 31st of October, we'll be on our fifth lockdown. Um, and uh, by then I, I'll have suffered cabin fever through that all kinds We're of all cases. living our own horror film, <laughs> yeah. but we shall be discussing more horror films, no doubt. Mm. Uh, I will be absent because I hate horror films. I hate having to talk about or think about horror films because even just thinking about it gives me nightmares. Trailers make me scared. Yes, uh, they do indeed. Um, and I, on the other hand, am a massive fan of horror and I love horrific things. And hence the reason I'm married to Jojo B. Um, so, lastly... <laughs> A couple of things that are more closely related to you, Jojo B. The world of food. Yes. Something that you're very close to. I made some amazing brownies at the weekend. She did indeed. Uh, I can completely vouch for that. They were absolutely fucking awesome. Um, but talking about baking, huh. your favourite baker is back on our TV screens. Why do you think I made the brownies? She inspired me to get baking again. Lovely. The lovely, the lovely Nadia is back doing what she does best. Bake. Baking. Baking mm. delicious treats. And she's back on TV. Started last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, on Wednesdays on BBC Two. And she's just making the most delicious things. And I was literally like, I watched it and I was like, I'm making that and that and that and that and that. She didn't make brownies in the program. I just right. decided to make those because it's an easy place to start when you want to get back into baking. Yes. I've done quite a bit of baking this year, actually. You've gone all out, you know, since lockdown and the fact that everyone was making banana bread. Um, you use that as your catalyst. So I made banana bread, but I don't have a loaf tin, so I made banana cake a mm -hmm. few times. And I've made my birthday cake. I made your birthday cake. Yep. I made my dad's birthday cake. Yep. I made another random cake while I was in Newcastle, mm. which came out really good. This did come out really well, to be fair. Um, and then I made these brownies. But I'm back on my baking. I really want to make some scones next. All right. Oh, this is all gluten free as well, people. Gluten free so. and delicious, and doesn't taste like it tastes like it's gluten free, as said to me by gluteners. Yes. 
because that's what we all are, obviously. It's profiling, isn't it? Sounds Glutinous, great. and I'm a non-glutiner. <sighs> but yeah, maybe that's what my calling in is in life. To be a baker. Baker, a gluten-free baker. All right. Well, maybe this is a good time to get Ashish back on the show because you'll have moved on to bigger and better things and left us little people behind, isn't it? I'd be like, yes, I would be like, oh, look, Jyoti's back on TV. She's doing what she does best. <laughs> Baking. Baking and hating the people and be like, and I don't want to like, do this. Lovely, you, colourful imagine, rainbow clothes like Nadia does. The I can imagine dream is. you being on TV just like, you know what? I don't really want to host this. I don't really want to do this. I'm forced to have to do this. I'm not really a host. Here's some fucking bread. Here's some cake. <laughs> I don't want to be doing this. I hate it. I have to hate have having you, to do this have work. Have you ever seen Nadia talk about having to be week. on TV? She hates it because she's got anxiety as well. Mm. And so she she actually like hates the idea of it and all of having to do it all. But she just does it. And like she didn't even apply what the for bacon. going on downstairs? I have no idea. They're banging something or another. Um, but yeah, she didn't even want to be on Bake Off. Her husband... Encouraged uh, her. Her husband applied for her and then mm. said, I've applied, so now you've got to do it. Yeah. She was in the middle of like being really not very well at that time. Yeah. And so, you know. We'll see. Like, at least her, she listens to her husband. I've been trying to encourage you and push you into doing bigger and better things, specifically with this podcast, but also with your life. And what do I get? <sighs> Fuck off. I've just got a toddler that makes me really tired. <laughs> yeah, she goes and also again, doesn't give me. Son. You know, he doesn't give me any time to do anything. He's like, Baba, 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 Baba. And then I have to go and tend to him because otherwise he'll like hurt himself. Okay, so for the people who don't know, he, um, Bubs calls uh, Jojo B Baba instead of Mummy. Um, Although he has to call me Mammy now yeah. in a very Geordie Mammy. way. Mammy, Mammy. And so that's very cute. He yeah. goes between Baba and Mummy. Lovely. Um, and lastly, you won something this week, didn't you? I did. I never win anything. She's definitely not winning in life. And ideally, I would really like to win the lottery. But this was, for me, the next best thing. I won some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I won not just any old shitty chocolate. I won like real, proper, good chocolate. Some creme de la creme. Yeah, like artisanal chocolate. Mm. Um, just a, a divine box of truffles. Lovely. That I um I won from Anoop Singh. Lovely. Who's a chocolatier. So he has, I've ordered from him in the past when he was kind of doing this as like a hobby. But now this is like a legit like business that he's now running. Yeah. And he, to launch the business, did a competition and I won. Amazing. Big oh, up I was yourself. one of the winners. I won, a, I, like, I won a box of just these delicious chocolates with all different flavors and what are some of the flavours in there, Jojo B? Well, the standout one for me, the my favourite one, and I think it was your favourite one as well, was the Punjabi salted caramel. Yes, Which indeed. is salted caramel. No, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. It's, it's salted caramel made with gourd. Wow. Which, if you don't know what that is, is jaggery. Yes. And if you don't know what jaggery is, just Google it because I don't know how to explain it. Um, And it's delicious. It has that really kind of like deep caramelly lovely taste that gourd has yes oh god it's so delicious i love the way she said uh, it was my favorite taste but it was yours as well like it was the only one i was allowed to eat in that box <laughs> because like the next day half the box she's myself, finished the whole it's box come in the right time because i'm pmt'd and i'm like give me the chocolate now um i yeah yesterday i smashed like half a box so I wasn't even like, I'd love to try some of these other flavours. What fucking flavours? There's nothing left in the fucking box. You've finished it all. I haven't finished it all. There's still some left. There's still one of everything left. Oh, okay. Don't, don't tell me twice, fam. As soon as this podcast is over. But I did pretty much try one of it. Oh, and also Black Forest. Mm. Black Forest is delicious. Awesome. It has like cherry, obviously, because it's Black Forest and like cash and oh. All that tasty goodness. So good. Okay, so where can people find this Asian Willy Wonka? So you can find him on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And his Instagram handle is A underscore S underscore chocolatier. Oh, A.S. Chocolatier. Yes, because oh. his name is Anoop Singh. Amazing. Make sure you check out some of his tasty delights. Order yourself a box because honestly, like it's fucking amazing.
And we haven't been paid to say any of this. This is the thing. This is not an ad. Is This is like, I won this competition and legit, I love these chocolates. And so that's why we're shouting this out because we haven't got any of those ad sponsorship stuff. That's the on. thing. This is what we are. Completely impartial, completely unbiased, doing this for the support of our community. Who else can say the same? And I just want to spread the delicious joy. Exactly. Spread it. Yeah. Spread it all over us. Do you know what I really would love to do? Is spread some of that uh, delicious Punjabi salted caramel all over some toast or some pancakes. Okay, can you please send me a jar of that? Right, well, I'll, I'll let um, Jojo <laughs> oh be fantasize over that shit. Can you imagine on some pancakes? Right. Wow. All right, well, anyway, <laughs> that's the end of the first half of this show. Jojo B is in dreamland at the moment. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be talking about the motherlands and how closely are we really connected to it, if at all. See you on the other side, people. the second half of the native immigrants i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and on this half of the show we're going to be talking about the motherland our motherland and how closely are we really connected to it mm -hmm. now this was stemmed from a recent show that we watched on bbc called go back to where you came from and within that show they talked about being British and how they had to question their identities from people, um, racist remarks thrown in their direction mm -hmm. um, and told to go back home. And for them, it was a case of sharing their experiences um, for a, a few different people when they're across the whole of the UK. And uh, it got me thinking, like in the worst case scenario and eventually we were all told to basically go back to where we came from. Um, for us, I guess it would probably be India. Um, I've yeah, obviously got Kenyan side of my yeah, family as well, roots-wise. Um, this is obviously completely like, like nonsensical because I'm British and you're British. No one really can question that yet <laughs> um they do question it yeah of course on a daily basis but they shouldn't but they should not um but it did get me thinking like about like india as such and how closely really are we connected to it uh, if today we were told that we all had to just leave this country and go back there um how much of a culture shock would that be for us and how closely are you connected to India, Jojo B? I have been going there since I was very little. Mm. So from the I was four the first time I went, and I've pretty much gone back every two to three years since. Um, the last time I went actually was when we got married, so for my wedding shopping. So that's the longest gap I've had. It's been like six years now since yeah. I've been, and um, so I kind of like I. I, it's not, it wouldn't be a shock if I went there. It's not like I've never seen what India's like or yeah. what Punjab is like. I haven't seen any of India because whenever I go to India, we go for two weeks and, and it's just like saying hello to family and bye to family. Yeah. Um, it's, it, so I wouldn't be shocked in that sense, but I don't feel like I belong when I go there. Uh, amongst like natives. <laughs> natives yeah amongst the people who are from there they just i don't think that i belong i mean my punjabi is not great i can't read it mm. i can't write it um and that's probably why my spoken punjabi is not as good either i think if you have the foundations of the language in terms of being able to just know the alphabet or the yeah. basic of being taught the basic grammar then your punjabi is better than just spoken punjabi yeah um it's not bad. I could get I could get by if I had to, and I, it, it improves when I'm there. So right. when I'm there and I'm speaking it, then it does get better. Um, but yeah, I just 
if I was going to like some big city, I was going to like Delhi or Mumbai or something, I might yeah. feel more like I fit in and, you know, I, I would have family who are a bit more cosmopolitan. Right. But I don't have that kind of family. Um, And I'm, that's not saying anything bad about my family. Like I love my family very much that are out there. But, you know, like my mom's side are very much farmers. Right. And, and my cousins have all left. All my cousins have gone. So um, anyone of my generation has moved to either here. Um, oh, outside of India. Yeah, about. yeah. So we've got, um, I've got family here. I've got family in Spain and Germany, New Zealand, Australia. Like everyone's left. Right. All the kids have left, basically, um, from my mum's side and my dad's side. So when I go back, it's just the elder generation that's there mm. for me. And so I don't have that connection. And when And we have a house there. And when my grandma passed away, that house just didn't feel like, it used to be like our second home. It is our second home. It's our home from home. Yeah. When we go to India, everything's there. I have my own room and everything. Hmm. But it just doesn't feel like home anymore since yeah, she passed. Yeah, yeah. And so that connection is gone as well. Like that kind of homely feeling that I used to get when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't feel that connected. I don't think, and whenever I used to go, I used to get stared at a lot. Mm. I think I have that. They know, innit? They know instantly that you're an Indian, but not from there. Right, yeah, yeah. You're bleti, yeah. is what you call it. Yeah, that's interesting, because how, you know, like, for people that are local, you know, like, Indians from India. Yeah. Um, their interpretation of, I guess, from us, mm. you know, being there, like, are we still looked at as for like obviously yeah. you can tell who's a foreigner well bloody means that but, that it means exactly that foreigner but in a you know but is it in a kind of like a like a derogatory yeah. way that's what that word is mm. it's foreigner it used to be used for the white people that were there yeah and now it's just used for the ones who come for so the asians or the indians who come from here yeah to there yeah and like, because a lot of people, they go from here to there, they flash their money and they walk around like they own the place. Yeah, nothing like, and, yeah, I can get animosity. And yeah, stuff. And, and Punjab specifically is becoming, it's a very difficult place right now because um, it's getting, it's got a whole load of issues. There's drug problems there. Mm. There, you know, there's massive unemployment there, especially amongst youth, hence the drug problems. Yeah. And, and so... There's a lot of, there can be a lot of animosity. Mm. And now like, you know, you don't, you don't, the women can't wear flashy jewelry and all that kind of stuff because it gets nicked, you know, and there's robberies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It can be a bit scary because it's, and this is not painting a great picture of Punjab. Punjab is a beautiful, wonderful place with, you know, wonderful people in general who are very, very friendly and welcoming. Yeah. But it has its problems. And then you get people from over here who go over there. When I say over here, I mean like the UK or America or, who, yeah. or Canada or wherever, you know, who've earned their money, worked really hard for their money and earned it. But they go to India and they splash big money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it um, sometimes can rile people up. It yeah, even happened once when I, I went over to India and I went shopping with my mom. And I, I was working, I was at uni and I was, had a call centre job and I had saved really hard for this trip to India because I was like, I'm going to buy the clothes I want to buy. Yeah. And my auntie got really angry mm. and said to my mom, she's just wasting her money. She's coming here and she's flashing money around. She doesn't have any money. Look, at she's only a kid. What's she doing? My mom was like, she's worked really hard. She paid for her own ticket here and she's paying for her own clothes. What's your problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because people don't see the hard work that goes into it sometimes mm, yeah. and so um there can just be lots of like kind of friction in that way of course um but if i had to be like sent over there i'm sure i could build a life for myself but i don't feel like i wouldn't call that home yeah home no, for totally. me. If someone says to me where's home i say newcastle <laughs> yeah of course of course yeah it's 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 a really it's an interesting one like how like closely people like connect with India when when being there like I, I know a number of people in my life that um would go to India at least once a year I guess that's, that's a it comes from a family thing where you, you the family all travel up and since from kids you've been doing it like from a from a young age and mm. by the time you get to a young adult um you know there you end up sometimes going 
by yourself or with your friends and stuff as trips to India as well, like in your adult life. And there's a I much more of a connection. I think if you're a, a man, that's probably easier as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or if yeah. you're traveling in like big group of girls, but me as the only girl. Yeah, you probably like I didn't. That, yeah. I I was locked in my house most of the time, or we went everywhere as a group. Yeah, I could. I didn't. What I found really suffocating about India was that I had no independence when I went there. Yeah, so I couldn't yeah, even yeah. go for a walk. Mm. You know, like my brother or my cousins used to just like wander off. Yeah, or yeah, just yeah. go to the shop if you know something. If we needed to get something, they could just wander to the shop and get it. Yeah, that that was not an option for me. Yeah, and um, and I just used to get a lot of like, um dirty men staring basically oh and that's not to say like i was some kind of beauty because i really wasn't but it's just they knew that i wasn't from there yeah and so and they have this opinion or this view of girls from over here when they go over there like the girls because you see what bollywood films are like and how they portray the girls that live over here and and so they just think, you know, well, here's a girl from over there. She's really easy, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's disgusting. I've been standing with my dad and my uncles and people have been really pervy and disgusting. And I'm like, I'm standing with my dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, like how fucking dare you look at me like that? Or, you know, just leer and be disgusting. And we all know the stories of how unsafe India is yes. for women. Um, And so I just felt really, really unsafe. So in that sense... No, I wouldn't feel comfortable being there or going there or, you know, going without my parents. I just don't feel comfortable being yeah, there. Yeah, of course. Um, what's your experience of India been like that as a guy? Yeah, look, well, we've obviously spoken at length about our trips to the motherland, our trips to India on episode 15 of our podcast, where we kind of go over what our trips were like as kids. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, for me, and as, as I said on that show, um, I've only been to india a handful of times altogether now this would be one two three four five times mm. you know in compared to people that have been there like you know 20 30 times basically over the yeah. course of their life um and it's weird like when we talk about connections and stuff to india i probably felt more connected to india in my last two trips there which was as, as an adult without any like family as such rather than the the three trips that i had you know in my youth but because those two trips went to Gujarat. They went to Gujarat. No, they went to Mumbai. Um, and uh, and one of them actually got a chance to go to Bangalore as well. But I, I saw more of the culture in those two trips than I did on those the three trips to Gujarat as a kid. Because just, just like you, it was like going from one house to another house and you know seeing family and seeing other family. And mm. we the, one of the last trips there, I think in 94, we did like a big kind of like yatra which is like a like pilgrimage. A, a pilgrimage but it was like a trip basically amongst loads of little different temples across across um that side of india and stuff so we got a chance to see udaipur and jaipur and went to agra and stuff so we saw more of the the sights and sounds of india i guess in that trip but i was i guess i was really young at that point to really appreciate them i probably would do a lot more now obviously but mm. it's you know it's it's that thing about when you're connected to somewhere um and a country like that specifically is it more of a connection to the country itself or is it more of a connection to the people that enables you to have that kind of closeness to it? Or is it a cultural thing where you're connect closely connected to the culture? Like there's, there's three different factors which I kind of think about like how, you know, how much you can relate to that one country. Yeah. You know, so, so for me, like, you know, I've always said with India, like the, you know, I love the country as a country the people can sometimes kind of like rug me up the wrong way um, and the mentality specifically. That's just a generalization. Mm. And I think that's something that I really cannot connect with because my culturally I'm so different to that mentality. And it sort of, it annoys me sometimes and frustrates me a lot that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I look at things from a f completely different angle. And yet, you know, if, unless I'm like, you know, can fit into that system, then it's a real sink or swim mentality, specifically more in places like Mumbai and Delhi, mm. where it can be a lot more like, you know, cutthroat sometimes, basically, with how you deal with yourself. And you're like, people out to swindle you and things like that, little, little things. This, yeah. is not a, this is not, this is not like a, this is not like, a, this is what everyone does. But you really have to watch your guard a lot of the times. And then, unless you can speak the language, unless you can, um, it's not even about speaking the language, it's about speaking on the level 
with people. Yeah, that's the thing. Which is a completely different thing. And I can I can probably get away with speaking very basic Hindi, mm. but being able to speak on a level with someone in Mumbai is two completely different oh, yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you you can be easily found out from from just the way you speak. Yeah, your accent um, will give it away. Our accent will are... give away, but it's not even that. It's like the way you speak, the way you like hand, the way you like your your body language, your yeah. your demeanor. You know, the, your phrasing, your terminology. It's like so vastly different. Yeah, because the slang is completely like we would never know the slang. Because why would we? Your parents would never speak that way, and so why would we ever know that slang? But if we even if we go past the slang, it's like. You know, it's it's the way you speak, the, like the the it's like the way you speak to people, yeah, in a way. Um, and in order to get your your message across, and it's it, there's a specific way that like, I've seen it a number of times from like when I go to India and I see my friends and the way they speak to people and stuff like that. You know, like to get things done, mm. it's it's so much. It's it's it can be quite brash sometimes. It's it a level be, of rudeness that. You have to be used to, yeah, yeah. And I can't, I will, I just can't bring myself to speak like that to anyone, yeah, you know. Um, but it's it's crazy how much it's like it's sometimes it's the only way you can get anything done is yeah. by speaking like that in a certain way. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't relate to that, you know. Uh, yeah. find, I'd find it very, very difficult, me personally, like living in there being and being able to because you can like teach yourself to do anything right you can learn something specifically and basically get used to doing that mm. but it's it's more like would i want to allow myself to to be you know like institutionalized into that way of life and i think i'd be very inhibited against that so if you had to if you had to go back you wouldn't go to gujarat i'd find it very difficult to go to gujarat um I, not only because i didn't have some great experiences uh on my trips there because i was young and stuff and I probably if i went back there now it'd be a completely different country to the last time i was there mm. um i just feel that i'm i'm way too culturally british now i think with this with this podcast you know we really emphasize the fact that we um you know a product of both of our cultures um you know and it's it's I'm never told between which culture I relate to more, you know, like British or or Asian or you know, and you know, because I'm a makeup of both. Yeah. But there's there's too much of my, like my my British culture that I just I wouldn't be able to let go of. Um, it'd be I'd find it very difficult to let go of. Um, and to adapt myself to the culture in India. Mm. Um, and I think that would be very very difficult for me. Um. I think it's different to a lot of people who do go as on a regular basis to India, constantly there to see family, and and the families are a lot more close and stuff. And so you have conversations through the year, like yeah. outside of that with with India. So there's a lot more of a you know there's a there's a relationship factor which which always keeps you like going back there. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing that I found since all my cousins have gone. Not that like. There's only one or two of them that I was actually really, really close to. Mm. Um, I do, you know, I love my family and I love my extended family, my cousins and stuff. But like, since the ones that I, I was closest to have left, it doesn't feel the same mm. um, when I go back. There's just no life. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone, because our house is empty now. Yeah, yeah. I used to go back and my grandma would be there and it would be like an open house. Now we have to unpack everything, yeah. dust everything off. Yeah, exactly. It takes like a week to do that. And then it takes like a week to pack it all back up again. I do wonder if, so my family house is in a town and it's it's like a it used to be a very small town. It's quite a big town now. Yeah. Um, um, it's expanded loads. It's very hustle and bustle and stuff. But we used to have a family house in our bind in our village where my family are like come from. Yeah. Um, and as always, there was like family land squabbles. Obviously. And the land got divided and sold off because it was just the easiest thing to do. Mm. And so, um. We don't have any land left in that village. Yeah. And I wonder like if we had had a house, a small house in that village instead, if I would have felt more of a sense of community and sense yeah, and a sense yeah, of yeah. kind of like belonging and, and then probably more safe. Yeah. Because the people that are around us would have been family or, you know, family friends, close family friends. 
um, would I have been more, it would have been like properly quiet way of life, like village way of life, but it would have been maybe slightly like more relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas where we are, it's like proper hustle bustle town and hence I'm not allowed out on my own (laughs) because it's a, it's a town full of strangers. Mm. Um, there might be a couple of people who will know my dad, but it's just, you know, like it's a busy town full of people who go there for work and then go back home again to somewhere yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. And so you don't know who's around. Um, and so maybe that's why I feel a bit less safe. But then I've been also, like, I've been to Chandigarh. It's probably my only experience of a big city in India because I haven't, I haven't really seen much of Delhi and I haven't seen much of, of Mumbai and all those. I haven't seen anything of Mumbai or anything like that. So Chandigarh is my only experience of a kind of, cosmopolitan city and it felt much more familiar mm. and a lot more like it had a lot more of the stuff that i'm used to okay so <laughs> what this is the this is the other thing so what we don't want to do and uh, and it's not our intention is to come across as those kind of like snobby british no. you know turn your nose up at at india and i'm only gonna um feel comfortable around the cities because uh, well, no, because I just said that I would quite like to stay. I would have liked to have been in my village. It's just those smaller towns mm. that I feel like, because I have a lot of experience. That's that's where I've been going to since I was four. Yeah, I know what it feels like, and I know that I'm not allowed any independence in those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas cities like Chandigarh are a little bit more um, liberal. Yeah, and so you can, for a woman, have a little bit more. Um, freedom. freedom. I'm not saying I would wander anywhere around at nighttime yeah. on my own, but you know, during the day, you can see the girls wandering around, and you can see them kind of, you know, meeting their friends and going for coffees and all that kind of stuff, like you would normally do. Yeah. So maybe in that instance, I would be a bit more comfortable in that environment, just because that's what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and that's what British culture has allowed me to do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe because I, I haven't done it, I don't know, but I would, maybe I would enjoy bind life, religious That's life. the thing, the, yeah. The slower pace. I mean, I always say that I want to move to the countryside or by the sea here anyway. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> you exactly, know, maybe yeah. I would have enjoyed that a bit more. Um, but I know that if I'd grown up in those places, I wouldn't have had very many freedoms. Mm. Um, because a lot of the girls don't. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. some of them do. Like, you know, one of my... Our family friends who who's from that from that village, their daughter's an astrophysicist and she lives over here now. There you <laughs> you go. Know? There you go. She's you know she's called Jyoti as well. Um, and so, you know, some girls have you know she went to university, she went away for university in mm. India and stuff. And so you can get that. It just depends, doesn't it? It just depends on the family and the and the. I think that's that's what it's all about. It really does depend um, on because everyone's got different circumstances. Everyone's got different relationships with their families out in India, and that kind of um, you know sums up your relationship with that country and is dependent on that. Um, so when you look at kind of the closeness and the connection with it, it's really it still breaks it into three different factors. It's the country, the culture, and the people, and which one you feel if you if you tick all those boxes, then I think that gives you a much closer connection to that country, mm. uh, or to the, to the whole environment there. You know, um, because you know I can say from my instance, um, um, in terms of my connection to India, I'm. Out of the three of them, I'm probably mostly closely connected to the culture than I am to the other two factors. Um, mm-hmm. Because for the with the people, I like I don't have a close relationship with my family in India, as in it's like WhatsApp messages maybe, uh, and you know <laughs> these kind of things. But there's no like I'm not like I'm on the phone with them uh, every week and stuff the way like my dad is um, with his family there, or I hear from multiple other people I know around my life that are always on the phone and speaking to uh, their family in India all the time you know I don't have that um yeah. what is it now again is that is that my fault uh, for not being more actively involved potentially um or from their side I don't know but it's you know like you know if the people that just like yourself um that would have been the same 
similar age to me have all moved out of India and stuff. So the only the elders, the only people that kind of left there or the really young ones. And so it's there's a little bit of a differentiation basically in that, yeah. that aspect. Um so um and and in terms of the country, like so I'm a cricket fan mm-hmm. and I'm a massive India fan. Yeah. So and as is like thousands of other British Indians across the UK and yeah. British Pakistanis and British Bangladeshis and British Sri Lankans are fans yeah. of their respective motherland countries, yeah. you know, staunchly. Um, and there's a, there's a big debate, obviously, here in, in the UK about, you know, especially from the ECB side of things uh, with the English Cricket Board and who you should support um, based on the fact of where you're born and, you know, where you're living as and such. what if the Scottish fans and the Welsh fans, not necessarily in terms of like cricket, but other sports, mm. do they complain as much <laughs> as the English fans do? Like, why don't you support us? You should well, support it's us. It's because it's, if you look at cricket matches, and we've spoken, this, spoken about this on a previous show, about how passionate our fans are and the fact that we all come out in hundreds and and thousands if we could basically to watch these games every time you see india set foot here in the uk for a tour or a test match or yep. or a world cup or a t20 it's like you know it's the demand for tickets is like gold dust and so they see the passion of the fans and they see how um you know heavily we're connected to our motherland that way yeah um you know so there is a massive connection like that and but it's 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 almost a case of right so but where would you rather live of the two you know and if you asked a majority of the fans um, that are indian i'm sure they would say well uh, we're british and we're happy to live here and so then they're like well then why are you supporting in- india and not supporting england and so it's there's there is a massive kind of like gray area when it comes to those kind of things um on 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 where your allegiances should lie more than anything else I'm an India fan. I will never stop being an India fan because that's that's my that's where my heart lies in mm. in cricket, um, and will always do so. But then, if you ask me, you know, but then would you want to live in India? Then, you know, I would. I'd you know, I'd have to probably say no because this is my country. If there was an Indian football team, would you support it over England? I mean, it, it, there is an Indian football team. I mean, one that like competes in a at a. If they're, if they're competing at a high level, yeah. then I would have to seriously consider it. Really? It's weird because it's like I've never had to have that 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 sort of equation ever come mm-hmm. up because they've never been an instant where they're, the level they're both playing at, um, you know, would we ever see that potentially occur unless it was like a random friendly. But even then I couldn't see it happening because there's such a massive gulf between the two um you know countries um on a level yeah um and so but if they're you know if they were competing because that's the thing you, if you've got to do it you've got to always remain consistent and so you know i love watching the england football team i support the england football team but with cricket i'm a massive india fan yeah same. and so so it's like it's one of those things you know you and like i'm i'm sure that echoes the same sentiments with hundreds and thousands of people across the uk you know, so, you, you know, when we're talking about identity, we're always going to be conflicted. And when it comes to sport and your allegiances, you're always going to be conflicted as well. So there's really no, I don't feel there's any kind of right or wrong answer with this. But, you know, like if we talk about our connections to the country, um, you know, I think I'll always feel I'm more closely connected to the culture because I've I've just been around that culture throughout my entire life from my when parents. When you say culture, do you mean the pop culture? So the films and the music and the sports? As well, as well. But just no, just Indian culture, as well as Indian culture. So like religion The way of life, yeah. Yeah, the way of life. The um, food you know, the, Yeah, the family aspects, the way we are as, as, as a culture there with, yeah, with food and with, with film and with like just, yeah, everything that encompasses Indian culture is something I'm probably more... Out of the out of the the people, the country, and the culture, that's probably the one that I'm more closely connected with. Mm. And would I be able to, be, because I'm so you know more in entwined with that culture, would I then be able to live in India based on that? I think may be conflictive because I I feel like I'm a component of both of those cultures, British. It's and It's the Asian. way of life, isn't it? So there's like 
culture as in times of, I don't know, like inside your own home. Mm. And then there's the culture of what we do outside of our home. Yeah. And I think that's where the big the big difference lies for me. So at home, yes, we're very Indian. We kind of, you know, like cook the food, you know, like we'll wear the clothes when is necessary. I don't wear Indian clothes at home all the time or anything, but when occasions arise, yeah. I will wear, you know, suits and saris and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I enjoy doing that. Like yeah. I love wearing those clothes and I have clothes that have been passed down from my mom and I feel very connected in that way to my culture. Yeah. And to my family history and all of that kind of stuff. And actually when we were when in Newcastle, I learned a lot about my family history by talking to my dad and my uncle about partition and yeah, all that stuff course, and yeah. kind of just learning what my family did. I mean, I had freedom fighters in my family. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, like there's that stuff that happens inside your home that makes me feel very connected to India. Yeah. And then there's, the way I am outside of my home in terms of the the freedoms that I have and the safety that I feel yeah. um, when I'm walking around here um, that I don't think I would get in India. And I think that stuff that we take for granted in this country, hmm. just being able to do whatever I want to do basically yeah, yeah, yeah. and go wherever I want or, you know, like I'd see my friends or go out, I mean, not in these times, but in like normal times, like go out for a drink or yeah. you, all the stuff that I, it's really easy for me to do here. Would I have that freedom over there? You know, people who are from big cities would be shout, shouting, yeah, of course you can. That's the or thing. Or from, yeah. you know, like kind of middle class and up kind of families. Mm. But if you're from a working class family in India, mm. no, probably not. Yeah, you know, and yeah. like, and my family are, not particularly rich so you know I go to India and I wouldn't I got told off when I was younger for wearing English clothes in India by one of my uncles he was like what are you doing wearing that stuff yeah you can wear that over there you have to wear a suit here mm. when I go to India I wear a suit and everyone's looking at me like why are you wearing that for but that's yeah. because it makes me feel because that was said to me when I was younger that's how I feel safe over there but it was like here I can just kind of it's I have the option of opting in or out of the culture yeah of course yeah absolutely Absolutely. And you don't, you won't get that as much. Basically. No. And I know people probably think, probably judge me for saying that I opt in and out, but I do. And I think most of us do. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm, you know, we're talking like this um, and there'll be a hundred people, a thousand people listening to us kind of saying, oh, they're, they're talking complete bollocks. But if you really ask yourself those questions, um, you know, I think a lot of them will echo very similar views. Um, you know, we are very much a product of both of our cultures. And I think that's what makes what we have so amazing um, in the fact that we've got those great traditional Asian values, as well as having our British culture um, to enable us to have um, a better future for all of our generations going forward. I yeah. think it's a it's a beautiful mix of these two great cultures. And I think we can't, like, we can't do without one or the other i think you know it's it's very difficult for for me to not want to be um, closely connected to my indian culture as well as having um, my british culture which enables me to to think the way i do and to feel the way i do and to have those viewpoints that mm. i necessarily would not have had i've been born born and brought up in in india mm. um you know so i will i would struggle um going back if we ever had to go back there um permanently well we say go back there i mean we weren't i mean our back is here like if you had to go yeah, back completely. anywhere this is a completely you'd be like, going back to Southall and i'd yeah, be going back course. to newcastle of course or even derby because that's where i was born but yeah. like i just i'm not it was there was an interesting point made in the film in the in the show in the mm. BBC show where the the main presenter is talking to her parents and her dad says to her, "Look, people can say go back to where you come from to mm. us because you know her mom was from Africa and her dad was from India and he goes, you know, we could actually go back to those places. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. where are you going to go back to? Where do you belong? You're from here. Yeah, you're yeah. from here. You were born here. There's nowhere else for you to go back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than another part of London." So, and I think that that's that's the thing for us of is course. that there is no other going back to where we are from here. Yes, we may have, you know, a culture that's 
a mixed culture. We have the British culture that we went to school in and been brought up in, the society that we live in. Yeah. And then we have our home culture, which massively informs us obviously but like we have a very mixed culture mm. and now when thinking about our bubs he has an even more mixed culture of because course. he's got you know a, a half a punjabi side and half a gujarati side plus he's going to be living in in um like a british culture as well but we yeah. speak english at home yeah exactly you know i grew up in a punjabi speaking household you grew up in a gujarati speaking household he's going to grow up in an english speaking household because that's what we speak to each other yeah and so Yes, he understands bits and bobs of Gujarati or Punjabi that we speak to him in or his grandparents speak to him in. But he's going to have an even more rooted culture to this country. So yes. if someone says to him, go back to where you come from, he's really not going to know what to do. No, absolutely <laughs> Cause not. Because he's, he's going to be like, well, my parents are from here. You know, like I don't understand. He's like third generation. Yes. And so I think it will be... And and there is a third generation that already exists that have grown up here as well. And so, and I've seen it, like they don't have any connection really to the motherland. Oh, of course not, yeah. Because, yeah, their parents have been born and brought up here in this culture and they feel much more connected to Britain than they do to the motherland as well, like we do. So I think it will be even harder for him. Yeah, it will be harder for him. But I guess that's what comes down to us to instill that culture into him you know from yeah, both no, I, of our sides i think yeah we have to obviously give him that indian culture but his sense of belonging will be even stronger than ours to yeah, this country course, yeah, and it yeah. should be and he should have every right to feel strongly connected to this country unless i get my own way and we move to new zealand <laughs> and then he'll be a kiwi there will be an episode of our podcast <laughs> where jojo b doesn't rabbit on about her desire to, to move to New Zealand and her bullying tactics into trying to get every one of our listeners to push that same narrative onto me is not going to work now and it was not going to work then and it's not going to work in the future. I'm British and proud. Go back to where you come from. Fam. I will happily go back to Newcastle. And I will drive you there. Thank you very much. Right. Well, that is it from this episode of The Native Immigrants. We'll be back next week for more of the same. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. See you.